So um, if you have international address, then please take a selfie and uh, send it to us so that we can celebrate with you. The other thing we ask you to bring it to the service is a candle. I don't know how many people got this memo. Um, maybe if you didn't get it, you can quickly find a candle. We could do that now because children, uh, we're going to talk about these candles in our children's sermon today. So time has come. It's time to light our candles. Going to do that for us. So, yeah. let's hope that lights. There we are. All right, I'm going to say a prayer for us. Lord, we welcome you into our homes this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. This is a prayer that a lot of churches sing today. Uh, Veni Sancti Spiritus. This is the English translation of this part of it. Holy Spirit, Lord of light. From thy clear celestial height, thy pure beaming radiance give. Come thou father of the poor, come with treasures which endure, come thou light of all that live. Heal our wounds, our strength renew, on our dryness pour thy dew, wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will, melt the frozen, warm the chill, guide the steps that go astray. Amen. So children, I expect that you've seen candles many, many times before. But I wonder, have you ever really looked at one? Have you looked at it closely to see what it is? If you can see a candle in front of you now, I want you to look at it very closely. And uh, you can tell the people with you, what color is it? What color is the candle flame? Is it all the same color all the way through? Or does it have different colors? How does the candle move that you're looking at? Can you tell where it's going to move next? And then if you look here at my screen, the flame looks like it's a thing, doesn't it? It looks like it's a solid something that exists in the world. But if I take this spoon and I move the spoon through it, it's like there's nothing there at all. So what is a flame, really? What we have in our houses now is a mystery. Fire is a mystery. And maybe the very cleverest people in the world understand exactly what fire is and why it does what it does, but I don't. It's a mystery to me. And what we know about fire is that we can command it, we can create it, we can control it, and we can use it, but we don't fully understand it. And the Holy Spirit is a bit like this fire. So you might have heard in our reading this morning that uh, on, when the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were together in one place and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And Luke reports in Acts that he looked like as if it were tongues of fire, tongues of fire coming down from heaven to alight on their heads, like tongues of fire. So the Spirit, Luke says, is a bit like this fire. So before we go off into breakout groups, and we're also going to hear a little message from our bishop, I want to think about three ways that the Holy Spirit is a bit like fire. 
Now, this isn't going to take very long. And at the end, because today is the church's birthday, we're going to sing happy birthday to the church and blow our candles out. Okay, so children, stay with me. I'm going to think about three ways that the Holy Spirit is like fire. Okay, so notice three things about this fire. Fire brings light, fire brings purity, and fire brings power. Those are the three things we're going to think about. So look at your candles and see their light. Maybe it doesn't look like very much light during the day, but really that's only because they're competing with a much, much bigger fire outside in space. The sun, our sun is just a great big fire. All the stars are fire. The moon reflects the light from fire. And even when you turn on your lights at home, your electricity is coming from fire. It's true. Because in Tallahassee, we have one big power plant called the Hopkins Power Plant, and it's, it's powered by burning natural gas using fire. And then we also have a new power plant, which was only built two years ago, which is a solar power plant, which takes the fire from the sun and makes electricity. So all of our electricity in Tallahassee comes from fire. And when we think about it, pretty much all the light that we've ever seen in our lives comes from fire. Without fire, we would basically have been blind our whole lives and not seen anything. Except as I was thinking about this, there is one kind of fire that we've seen, uh, one kind of light that we've seen that doesn't come from fire. Can anyone think what that is? Children, can you tell your parents what that is? Yeah. Glow sticks. Have you broken those glow sticks? I thought you were going to say the transfiguration. Seeing the light from the glow sticks. Glow sticks, they're not from fire, that's chemical luminescence. And ironically, fireflies. Fireflies make light, but not from fire. So those things are very pretty, right? But they're hard to see by. Can you imagine a world lit only by glow sticks and fireflies? Thank God for fire. And so the Holy Spirit first is a bit like fire because he gives our hearts all their light. And by that, I mean that he helps us to understand God's word. Because David said in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then when Jesus came, he told his disciples that he was giving them the Holy Spirit so that he could lead us into all truth. So without the Holy Spirit, our hearts stumble around in a world lit only by glow sticks and fireflies. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it's like the sun rising. And that's the first reason we need the Holy Spirit. But there's another reason that he's like fire, and that's because fire brings purity. So put your hand up on screen if you've ever had a splinter, a piece of wood stuck in your hand or in your foot. Yes, I'm building a treehouse right now and I've had hundreds of splinters. And when you get a splinter, how does your mum get it out? Here's what my mum did and what Sarah does now, many, many times. <laughs> okay, she takes a needle. You see this? Probably not. Maybe Here it not. is. 
It takes a tiny needle, very sharp. And she wants to get the splinter out of my finger, but what does she do first? Children, have you seen this? She puts it through the flame. She puts it through the flame of a candle like this. And what does that do to the needle? It cleans it. It gets rid of all of the bacteria and any viruses that are on it. All of the impurity from the needle is taken away by the fire because the needle is dirty and the fire gets rid of all the germs. And then she sticks it in my finger and takes the needle out. The splinter out. The splint, splinter out, that's right. So fire brings purity. Now there are several big words in the Bible that are hard to understand. Words like consecrate or sanctify or holy. But if you have trouble understanding those words, then just think about the needle going through the candle flame. So what I'm doing when I pass this needle through the flame is I am consecrating the needle. I'm sanctifying it. I'm making it holy. So in other words, I'm taking something that's dirty out of a dirty world that's just like everything else and I'm setting it apart to be clean. I'm making it holy for a special service. In this case, to take a splinter out of a finger. And that's really all those difficult words mean. Consecrate, sanctify, make holy. Fire purifies things. And a lot of the things that we use every day have had to be put through fire before they're any good to use. They've had to be refined, made pure in a refiner's fire. So think about all the metal you have in your house at home, like this metal spoon right here. Every single piece of metal in your home and every single piece of metal in your car, you remember the car outside that you don't use anymore? <laughs> all of the metal in, that you have in your life has had to be put through a hot, hot fire to get rid of all the impurities in it and make it useful. The spoon would never be clean and shiny if it had not been put through a hot, hot refiner's fire. So fire makes things clean and it makes them useful. And the Holy Spirit is like a fire because he makes us clean and useful. He convicts us about our sin and then he comes and burns that sin away. He burns it out of us and transforms us. So that, in other words, he sanctifies us to be a purer version of ourselves. And we, friends, are no use to God at all without the purifying work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and there's one more thing I want to mention for you, and that's power. Fire brings power, right? So some of you watched yesterday that there was a big rocket launch. Here's my model of a rocket that's nothing like the SpaceX Falcon 9. <laughs> and uh, some of you watched it, and it took off successfully, and it went up into space, powered on a column of fire didn't it? It was really amazing to watch. Awesome. It's one of the most powerful machines in the world. And fire brings power, power into our world. Fire makes the plants in your garden grow. Fire makes the rains fall and the rivers run. Fire keeps the lights on. Fire keeps the wheels turning. This innocent little flame in front of us is the real source of power on earth. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. He is the real source of power on the earth. He is all the fuel in the engine of our faith. And he is all the power in the church. Nothing moves without the Holy Spirit. Mm. 
So when he comes to us, he brings to us gifts of power, new gifts and abilities. So Paul talks in, in 1 Corinthians about the gifts, um, well, no, he talks in Galatians about the power of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then the gifts in 1 Corinthians that we heard read about today, the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, the discernment of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. These are some of the many, many, many gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. And Paul says they are all from the same spirit. They are all empowered of the one spirit. So the spirit is the fire in the engine of the church. And friends, the Holy Spirit can do anything. He can do anything. And he can help people to do anything. So as we go into our breakout groups, I want to think together, what do you want the Holy Spirit to do for you today? There is no life or strength or truth without the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul commands us to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk in the way of the Spirit and not in the way of the flesh. And as we come to Pentecost Sunday, it's the church's birthday, the day when the, the big birthday present to the church that Jesus gave was the Holy Spirit. So we can dream big today. We can think big thoughts today and ask the Lord what we want to be given by the Holy Spirit as a birthday present. So what do you want the Spirit to do in the church this year? And what do you want the Holy Spirit to do in your own life this year? Do you need more light? Do you need more purity? Or do you need more power? So those are the questions I'd like us to think about in our breakout groups in just a few minutes. But now, children, it's the big moment that we've all been waiting for. Let's stay muted and we can all sing happy birthday to the church and then blow out our candles. Benjamin worked out that the church is 1,990 years old this year, give or take. So let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and now, just before breakout groups, we have a four-minute uh, word from our bishop, which I'll play for you. This is a little quiet, so you might want to turn up your volume. Greetings on this wonderful day of Pentecost. You may remember that Pentecost was the second of the three major Jewish feasts. It pointed ahead to the early harvest. In one sense, what we see in the story is the early harvest as people come to faith in Jesus. But at the time, Pentecost had become the feast to remember the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So you have Jews from all over the world gathering together to remember that God had made them a people by creating a government for them, a list of laws, but beyond that, a morality, a way to live, and especially a way to worship and make sacrifices. This was a big day, a day of crowds. As I said, Jews from all over the world, 
even though they were all Jews in one sense, they repre represented all the nations because they spoke the language of the, la of the nations they were in. An international crowd. You remember crowds. We used to have crowds. We hope to have them again soon. In the midst of all of this wonderful pouring out of the Spirit, Peter goes back to the Old Testament to interpret it to them, and he says it's in fulfillment of a promise found in the book of the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to come and reveal things to people in dramatic ways. And that's what we see on that first day of Pentecost. And Peter takes that beginning and lays out how it points to Jesus, who is the one who gives the Spirit upon his ascension, after his ascension. The Holy Spirit is radically important. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, puts it this way. He asks, is the work of the Holy Spirit really important? Important? Why, were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. Yes, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to get the message out through us and then to convict hearts and bring people to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is still at work. Recently, I heard the story of a young man who had been a drug dealer. One day when he was going with two compatriots to kill off two of the competition, the Holy Spirit stopped him. He literally got out of the truck and said, I can't do this. He didn't quite understand why, but he understood that it was an intervention of God in his life, and it sent him off on a search, and eventually he came to Christ. Again, the work of the Holy Spirit reminded me of how the Holy Spirit drew me to Jesus long ago. It was an intervention. It was a conviction pointing me to Christ. Well, on that day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching, 3,000 were convinced and convicted and were baptized and became followers of Jesus the Messiah. So as we are celebrating this day of Pentecost, I want us to be a people who are expecting that the Holy Spirit can work even through us to bring the gospel to others, that he can work in hearts, he can change direction of lives, just as he has done for us. Let this Pentecost Day not only be a celebration of how the Holy Spirit brought you to Jesus, but also a call for him to use you to bring the gospel to others. God bless you and have not only a wonderful Pentecost Day, but a Pentecost life.